Welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this show is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. This week, first segment, Dan Johnson. We're talking line management. Pay attention. Dan always gives us good information. And then we're going to talk to Joe Apogger, Director of Communications from Major League Fishing. Joe is giving us the 2024 schedule for Major League Fishing. And then Steve Hoskins, co-angler, won a boat on the Potomac River. Major League Fishing Toyota Series. Last one. You'll enjoy listening to that. But first... I'd like to welcome back Dan Johnson to the We Fish ASA podcast. This segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And Dan, we didn't talk to you the last couple of weeks. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. No, you had some pinch hitters there, and that was okay. Uh, they did. They informed us on some great stuff, And uh, but back to it. So uh, line management is the topic this week, and uh, it's, a, it's a really good topic. It's a good topic, and it's important that we understand. Let's define what that means first. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, recommending 20-pound fluorocarbon for a uh, Z-Man jackhammer. What, what this topic's about is how do we manage the line on our reels to make us better on the water, period. And I think the first thing to do is to understand real quick, high level, the properties of lines. And a lot of this is kind of one plus one equals two. So braid is very, uh, very low maintenance, no memory, super long life. Right. Yep. Um, and it has no stretch where your mono has the most stretch. Um, and it also has in some instances, it can be affected by UV, you know, and conditions. And then fluorocarbon is, obviously has more stretched and braid but it's it sometimes can be very very stiff so at a really high level here braid is awesome in terms of line management i think one of the keys is to uh, understand you can reverse it um in time and really start over with a brand new spool i know there's line companies out there not wanting me to say that but i don't change my braid out dave sometimes for a year and a half yeah and I, these are rods i'm throwing a lot where my fluorocarbon even though it's it's more expensive than mono, I'm changing out quite often um, because it has a an ability to be fragile. It's ridiculously sensitive, um, but we want to make sure that we change that out and mono a lot more. And then we can certainly dive into certain things that at least I do throughout the course of a you know a, a week or even certainly a day to make my reels perform better um, with really all those lines. Absolutely. And and for those that didn't catch that, what Dan means by reversing the line is it starts to get pale. You'll get that first, you know, 20, 30, 40 feet, which is taking the most wear on every cast. And you put that on another reel. And then the backside of that bottom of that spool is brand new, fresh braid, and you can get whatever life it took to get to that point. And that has always been one of the good tips that you've given. Yeah, it, you know, it's something that just, number one, it saves us money, but number two, it's pretty cool because you get your reel with line on it for a year and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I have brand new line. All I did is strip it off, cut it off, retie it and zip it back on. But specific to uh, fluorocarbon, a couple little things I'm going to bring up here. Um, number one, don't repeat, don't overfill your spool. It can be jumpy. 
Um, it can rat nest on you. Uh, there's no advantage to doing it. And one way I get around that, Dave, and I do this with my monos too. I don't overfill them. Matter of fact, I fill them slightly less than that eighth of an inch under the lip or what the book says. Yeah. I, I, I feel a little less than that, but I also oversize the size of my reel on my rod, knowing that when I fill my reel a little less, I'm not talking about super, super low, but definitely less than manufacturer's recommendation. I have less line management issues, but the fact I went with a larger arbor size spinning reel, I maintain my gear ratio by doing it. And then another thing that I would say that's really good that I was taught years ago is when I'm using spinning reels, oftentimes about halfway through the day, this is not braid uncasting. This is spinning mono and fluoro. I'll cut the bait off, let out about 150, 200 feet behind the boat and go on idle for about 15 seconds and reel it back in and retie my bait. And there's a lot of baits that can cause line twists just inherent in what they are like a lipless rattle bait something like a rip and wrap sometimes you can throw and you see it going around 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 on the way out sometimes it doesn't but sometimes it does and there's a lot of baits that do that and that will create twist in your line obviously we never want to reel on the drag if your drag's going out on a spinning reel never ever reel against it just let it zip until it stops um, and little things like that because monofilament and fluorocarbon especially fluorocarbon while they are very advantageous to fishing, that you know they refract light, they're low visibility, they're low stretch, they're incredible. They can be a little more high maintenance. Yep, yep. And your your tip about not reeling against the drag. Um, and I have customers that come in my retail store, and they're saying, "Yeah, well, the, it's taking drag all the time. It's always going out." Then your drag is set too loose. Tighten your drag. Don't, you know, let them take drag, let them have it. But if you're reeling against the drag 100%, all you're doing is twisting that line, and that is going to cause you probably more problems and more breakoffs than anything. It's going to twist it, but it's going to really twist it if you reel against it. Yeah. If your drag's just going out, that is not, it, I don't think that affects a whole lot. It's when you start reeling against it, it's, it's a catastrophic disaster there. So I do agree, you know, you want to adjust it, obviously, so your line doesn't pop, but you don't want to have it so loose that they just take off on you. You lose a lot of control and you can't move a fish, and we gave you a bunch of reasons for that. And I know, Dave, in the past, another, another uh, uh, tip that we brought up that's really a good one, especially if you're taking kids fishing or uh like if you're doing a hook and a night crawler or and, and even there's a lot of baits out there like a meps number three would probably be the number one bait thrown for catching fish maybe one of them of all time but if you don't put a swivel on that thing you will destroy your line in about five casts <laughs> so be cognizant of baits that revolve around 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 that happens in two ways number one on the way out on the cast or certainly retrieving it back in. In any any case like that, crankbait, you don't need a swivel on it. You might put a snap on it, but you don't need a swivel on it. Where an inline spinner, you do, uh, because it's going to go round, around, around. And I know a lot of people know that, but there may be some listeners out there that don't. And I know that because I learned that one the hard way myself when I was a kid. Uh, until I was told that. So 
you know, those are things that are just uh, really important for line maintenance and management. And another thing that I do in the winter time, especially dock shooting for crappies, is I spray my spool with a product called Real Magic. And there's probably a bunch of them out there. And some people say, yeah, it helps freeze up and and all this. And that might be true, but I do it because the line comes off smoother. And I do it in advance of when I'm fishing. So like when I spool up my dock shooting line, which is usually six pound high vis mono or four pound if I'm going to 30 second ounce. I will spray that spool. It doesn't hurt the reel at all. It's actually, I think, good for it. Uh, I spray the line on the spool a few hours before I go fishing, uh, right when I put that new line on it, or even the next day when I don't put new line on it, but I'm just going fishing. And that I've had really good luck with, too. Yeah, yeah, no, all good tips, all good advice for, for line management. And I, I just was at a tournament, and I had to reline uh, a couple of reels, and I tighten my drag all the way down when I put new line on. I don't want any, any, and I want that line to go on firm. And I think that's, uh, holds true for every line. It does. And that's a great tip. And here's another one for people. When you're putting line on spinning reels, no matter what people say, unless you use a machine where you take the spool off, you're going to have a little element of twist on it. I don't care if it's going around the spool, the same direction of the spool or all the things the guys tell you. So what I do every time I spool a spinning reel, I will cast, I'll put a lead head on it or whatever, and I'll throw it out quite a ways. And then I'll walk out and cut that bait off, and I'll reel it back in. And I guarantee, I do it in grass. Yeah. Um, and I guarantee you, when you get close to your tip, you'll see it going around, 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 taking those loops out of it. And then another thing I'll do is I'll take, give it a little stretch. I learned this in fly fishing. I'll just grab, you know, little sections of two foot of line and just gently pull, obviously not enough to break the line. But you can take all that memory out of that line. And th th these are little things. And, and again, most of this is spinning related and not braid related. But with all of my lines, I keep them out of the sunlight. They're either in a rod locker in my, or a rod storage in my boat or they're in the shade in a tub, a shaded to like my tub that I keep my line in is shaded itself. So I don't want sunshine getting at my line at all. Obviously, when you're fishing, it's on the deck. That's one thing. But in terms of storage, Keep it out of the sunshine, too. Yeah, that, that's great advice, and we always get great advice from a Dan Johnson. And Dan, looking forward to uh, talking to you again next week, and always appreciate uh, you coming on the We Fish ASA podcast. Dave, thanks as always for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnson, and this segment is sponsored by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back after these messages. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Daiwa, MAG4Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MAG4Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MAG4Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. 
Daiwa. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest was on about eight weeks ago. He has a passion for the outdoors, and he is Joe Pogger. He's Director of Communications from Major League Fishing. Welcome back to the program, Joe. Hey, hey, Dave. Thanks so much for having me back on. It's a pleasure to be here. I am glad to have you back, and boy, the schedule from the top to the bottom for 2024 is out, and it looks pretty exciting. Yeah, big news coming out of Major League Fishing just a couple days ago, actually. Uh, We announced the sixth season of the 2024 Bass Pro Tour. Uh, We're really kind of excited about it. You know, we've got nine events across the Bass Pro Tour each year, seven regular season events, plus our our General Tire Heavy Hitters All-Star event and our Red Crest Championship, of course. And so of those nine events, Seven of them are taking place at destinations that we've never had a Bass Pro Tour event at before. So uh, a lot of new places, some new audiences, and uh, some exciting new fishing for the fans. Yeah, the fans and the anglers, I think they're going to like that. And the fact that your fields are not hundreds of people out there at the same time, you can choose places that may not have you know the massive amounts of ramp space or uh, 100,000 acres of, of fishing space. And, and that changes the whole platform. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the kind of the unique advantages that we have with the scheduling of the Bass Pro Tour is, you know, the 80 guys compete uh, on the Bass Pro Tour every season, but only 40 guys are on the water at one time. So that uh, gives us a little more open and capability to to visit some fisheries that, you know, maybe some of the bigger tournaments aren't able to, uh, including, you know, our our Tackle Warehouse Invitationals and our Toyota Series and things like that. Uh, But, you know, some of the fisheries this year that we're going to, like, uh, there's not much out there about them like the Tuan River in North Carolina I've got to be honest when that came across my desk as saying you know stage five next year we're going to be at the Tuan I said where the heck is the Tuan River <laughs> I've never heard of that had to google it and find out and uh yeah apparently based on everything that I'm reading online it seems to be a little bit of a hidden gem so it's really kind of exciting that the Bass Pro Tour is able to visit some of these kind of lesser known smaller fisheries that maybe haven't gotten the, the light shined on them before and there's probably a lot of small tournament groups and clubs that have 20 30 40 50 guys that have been fishing some of these and they're probably not going to be very happy that the uh, world is going to be introduced to them but i think the anglers participating will be and and here's the other thing that they're going to find out they're going to find out the true potential by having the best group of anglers in the world go there and fish Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, you're absolutely right. Some of the anglers may have, you know, a little bit of an issue with us shining the light on their honey holes. But the majority of people in the community are so happy that we're doing it. I mean, they're going to get the the Bass Pro Tour rub uh, that, you know, when we come to town, we're going to showcase this fishery across national television. It's going to be on the Discovery Channel for a couple of weeks. Uh, It's going to be live streamed for more than 60 hours during the events. And, you know, we've got a 
all the English are staying in the community. Our big staff is staying in the community. We're staying in the hotels. We're eating at the restaurants and purchasing the gas. And so it's really kind of a little bit of an economic boom every time the Bass Pro Tour comes to town. So uh, Edenton, North Carolina, get ready because in June, uh, we're going to have some fun next year. Yeah, yeah. But go go down the list. Tell, can you tell me where they're all at? Sure, sure. So we kick things off right at the end of January. Stage one at Toledo Bend in many mm-hmm. Louisiana. Uh, that's going to be stage one right there. And then two weeks later, we're moving up to South Carolina, going to stage two at Santee Cooper Lakes. Uh, after that event, we're taking a little bit of a break for our Red Crest Championship. It's the culmination of our 2023 season that we just wrapped up this year. So the top 40 anglers in the point standings advance to Red Crest, and that's going to be at uh, Lay Lake in Birmingham, Alabama. Then we get back into the regular season right in April. Stage three at Dale Hollow Lake in Birdstown, Tennessee. We move over the ro- uh, down the road to Oklahoma for stage four at the end of April at Lake Eufaula in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have our all-star event, the General Tire Heavy Hitters. I mentioned that, where we target the real big fish, and there's big fish awards of up to $100,000 for that final day. That will be at the Kissimmee Chain of Lakes in, in Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, we take a little bit, couple weeks off, and then we ha- we're back in June, going to the Chuan River in Edenton, North Carolina, which I just briefly talked about. Yeah, and then we finish it out with a couple more rivers. Uh, mid, or, excuse me, the end of June, up to Richmond, Virginia, on the James River, and then over to Messina, New York, in August, where we end our season at the St. Lawrence River, catching big smallmouth. So, uh, other than the Kissimmee Chain and the St. Lawrence River. All new fisheries this year, and uh, I'm ready to go. I don't know about you, but it's going to be a long kind of next three to four months while we're waiting for everything to shake out. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And uh, because of the size of the fields for Tackle Warehouse, Toyotas, the BFL stuff, those schedules, did they change a whole lot or are they pretty similar? Um, they're pretty similar. Uh, we did announce the Toyota series and the BFL schedules, uh, as well. They're not in front of me, unfortunately. Okay, so no problem. Nope. All of the information, but I do know that, uh, yeah, the, the BFL All-American for next year is going to be hosted at Lake Cherokee. Uh, so again, kind of a, a lesser known fishery that's always been a bit of a hidden gem, uh, there in Tennessee. So yep. we're excited about that one. And yeah, just the best grassroots circuits on the market. You know, the, the BFL and the Toyota series, no better way to hone your chops against the best local anglers, you know, in the country. So, and I know that you're a big competitor on those as well, Dave. Well, I, I have fun doing them. I enjoy it. I enjoy uh, representing the sponsors that I have doing it on the uh, Toyota. And uh, unfortunately, this last week we had that uh, tropical storm, depression, hurricane, whatever it was come in on the Potomac and uh, but congratulations to the guys that excelled there and they did well um, but you know the uh, I, I think the whole thing is if you're not if you're into tournaments you might just do clubs and everything there is an opportunity for you, you go to the major league fishing webpage or Facebook page and there is an opportunity that something's close enough for you if you want to try this that they can do it isn't there 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, we host more than 250 tournaments annually, you know, across the world. We are the world's largest tournament fishing organization. So whether you're a brand new angler, whether you, if you don't even own a boat and you're just interested in tournament fishing, you can jump in as a co-angler and fish in, in these one-day tournaments. And, you know, it's you're learning with some of the best local anglers on the water. There's no better learning experience to do it. So whether you're a brand new angler or an aspiring professional, we've got a tournament for you. Absolutely. And, and you know, having done uh, the Toyotas here for uh, quite a few years, I find that many of the co-anglers are actually boaters. They're not comfortable jumping to the next level yet. So they go in as a co and they learn. And, and that's a good uh, stepping uh, platform also. Absolutely. They fish off the back of the boat, just competing against other co-anglers. Uh, it's a great way to kind of self-police the sport you know nobody's by themselves everybody is randomly paired each day they sign off on their partner's weight so uh yeah and it's a really great experience like i said you're getting to spend uh, time in the boat with the best local regional anglers uh and most of these guys are willing to you know give you tips and tell you what they're doing and why they are doing what they're doing so it's a great experience and we highly recommend it for anybody that's interested in fishing and if they don't have a boat First place, they can win one, correct? Absolutely. A lot of these tournaments, yeah, give away a brand new boat for the co-angler winner. So uh, we've seen it many, many times over the years. These co-anglers, it's a natural progression. They start as a co-angler. Uh, they move to the front of the boat and start competing as a boater. And before they, you know it, you're advancing up the, the circuit levels, and now you're a semi-professional. And it's, it's a really kind of cool thing to see, and we've seen many pros come up through those exact same ranks. Absolutely. And uh, you, you won't have uh, KVD there next year because he's doing other things. And uh, the, that man deserves to, uh, to semi-retire. He's not going to fish, but he's going to do a lot of things in there. But we're going to watch. We get to watch some of the rising stars in the lower levels, the BFLs, Toyotas, Tackle Warehouse, and then they get to the Bass Pro. And it is, it is fun. It's a true progression. And uh, I think it's the, uh, it's the reason I fish it is because I think it's the circuit to fish. Well, we certainly appreciate that, Dave. Like you mentioned, yes, we we are going to we are missing out on Kevin during the regular season. But the great news is uh, is that he did qualify for our Red Crest Championship. He had a really good year this year, so he is actually not quite done. In, in addition <laughs> to Red Crest, General Tire heavy hitters as well. So he will be competing in both of those events. Uh, but those, you know, will be his last two. Uh, but we've got a great class of rookies coming up to replace some of the bigger names that are kind of moving out. I know Tim Horton uh, also announced his retirement earlier this year. So, mm -hmm. you know, with Kevin and Timmy's retirement and a couple of uh, great pro, uh, Tackle Warehouse Invitationals anglers coming up, uh, I think we're going to be just fine. And we're, we're the stage is now set for a very exciting 2024 season. Absolutely. I truly appreciate your time, your insight and your information. Uh, and it won't be the last time we call you, Joe. But, uh, thanks for being on the We Fish ASA podcast. Heck yeah, Dave. I always appreciate you. Thank you for everything that you do. And we'll talk to you soon. We will. Thank you, Joe. That was Joe Pogger, Director of Communications, Major League Fishing. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages. 
Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle, to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Daiwa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate Backlashes, Daiwa. St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this show is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. My next guest is actually a co-angler. He fishes major league fishing. Just recently, last weekend, he won a boat on the Potomac River. Welcome to the program, Stephen Hoskin. Thank you, Dave. Nice to be with you. Oh, excellent. So, uh, so the listeners uh, understand this, like... Uh, Major League Fishing has the Toyota Series, which there's a pro and a co-angler gets paired with them. And then the next day you switch and you fish with the same, uh, a co-angler will fish with a different pro. And then the winner, uh, the top 25 for both groups, fishes day three. Uh, this year that didn't happen uh, because of the weather out there. We had that uh, cyclone or hurricane, whatever came through, and it wasn't safe to fish, so it didn't happen. So uh, the two-day uh, winners got to got to not fish day three and not at, no chance of moving up but that didn't hurt your feelings any did it no it didn't um to be honest it didn't um but i i felt bad for the lost opportunity of the other co's and pros and but it's part of the game it is it is and weather is understands. yeah yeah, you gotta you, you gotta understand that you may not do it, and sometimes it happens that we get weathered out day one, and then we only fish day two and three, and everybody fishes. So I guess it's it's fair for everybody. Everybody had the same fishing time, but um, did you have about the same weights with both pros, or walk us through uh, day one a little bit? So uh, day one, uh, the pro that I got paired with had a uh, area that had good quality fish, but just not a lot of bites. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we only, I think, had 10 or 11 bites the whole day between us. Mm. And we basically went back and forth on this one short, when I say short, maybe 200, 300-yard stretch uh, that had good cover on it. And uh, we would basically get bit almost every time we'd go one way or the other. Um and they were all good quality fish. Uh, I had a four and a half. I had a three and a half. Um, and then the others were solid keepers, too. So um, ended up with 15 pounds, four ounces, I believe. Yeah, that's day a great. Was a, yeah. Great, and great I day one. Pro, I talked to the pro uh, the next day, actually, when he was done. And uh, he ended up going back to the same area. And uh, the fish weren't there. 
So he struggled. <laughs> that happens. And and what happened uh, uh, the second day was the that storm was coming in, and the winds, I think, moved a lot of fish around, especially if they were in uh, the grass. The Potomac River is full of these grass beds, and it has several different types of, of grass and and um, and coontail and milfoil. And, uh, but all of it, when you were fishing on day one and you were looking at this, the day one was a little less windy. And, and I'm speaking from experience because I fished there as a pro. I, I fished it that the same day as you did. But the um, you could see how much bait was in the grass. Did you you experience that? Absolutely, yeah. It was a huge difference on day one as far as that was concerned. Uh, and we weren't dealing with muddy water and wind. Um, and that, I think, really made it difficult on day two is that uh, my pros' areas got muddied up. And uh, we had to scramble just to, to catch some fish. Yeah, and, and uh, where were you sitting after day one first? I was in first after day one. Yeah, with 15 I was, pounds, uh, I would think. 14 you... ounce. 14 ounce lead over the second place. Yeah, goal. which which is pretty good. And uh, did you have to throw a lot of different baits uh, on day one to to catch your limit, or did you use? No, some... actually, I started out with a couple of baits, but my my pro started catching his almost immediately on a senko. And I'm a pretty quick learner, so I uh, I put on a senko too. Yeah, and <laughs> I think the difference is that I was fishing the senko differently than he was uh, because we were fishing the same structure as we were going down this shoreline and uh i was dead sticking it and i only felt one bite the entire day on day one and uh the rest of them were, were there when i picked up they were just, just on it. it yeah just letting it sit on the bottom and sometimes for 30 seconds or a little bit more and then i'd pick up and there would be weight there so i must have dropped it right in their face and they just sat there with it yeah, because the, the fishing, I, I the practice days, I got to practice four days before, and it was tough. All but the, the first three days were very tough, and the last day was tough. And did you get practice time prior to start of the tournament? I did not. Nope. Okay. I, uh, I haven't practiced for any of the tournaments that I fished with the Toyota Series simply because you're at the mercy of whoever you get paired with. Um, I try to, to do my research and uh, just be able to, to, no matter what I'm presented with, be able to fish and try to catch a few behind them. Yeah, absolutely. Because most most of the guys that talent there, if you look at who who's in these tournaments, there's some pretty top level guys there, and uh, it it is tough. And there's my experience has been that many of the co anglers are boaters at home, and then jump into these to learn and uh, and to have a less of a cost factor that you're not having to be somewhere for a week with a hotel, and you're not having to drag a boat, and you're not having to pay the higher entry fee, and yet you can still go there and have fun, and um, and obviously Absolutely. when when Absolutely. what's the value of what you won over thirty thousand, correct? Yeah, a little bit over thirty thousand. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's fun. It's exciting, and uh, uh, so you went back and forth on these areas. Did did they bite all day, or did you have some times that it was kind of slow? Um, for the most part, we get a bite almost every pass. Um, but you know, it would take us you know an, an hour to make a pass up it because we we're fishing it slowly. Right. Um, so there was really, you know, there was a lot of time where we didn't get bit, but when we did, they were good quality. 
Yeah, and the Potomac is surprising, uh, has a lot of fish. But in the fall, what happens to the listeners know is, is uh, as you get less rainfall, now we've had quite a bit uh, uh, recently, but as you get less rainfall in August and early September, those creeks that are flowing into there aren't as full. So the tidal water comes up uh, very far up into the Potomac. And so far that some guys will would see some saltwater fish like rays, and certainly the blue crabs come up, and there's blue crab traps, and the, you know you have to watch out for those as a boater and a co-angler but the um it is it can be brackish water and that that can make a big difference uh, uh and i think that's part of the reason why it was slow this week i agree and uh, you had mentioned how a lot of us like to do this for our learning experiences at up here in new hampshire we don't have tidal bass fisheries so um i fished the potomac last year as a co and i think that gave me a lot of knowledge going into this year and I made a few adjustments, and uh, it definitely helped. No, that's good, and it's uh, it's fun, it's exciting, and uh, for those of you that haven't tried it, Major League Fishing, you can go to their Facebook or MajorLeagueFishing.com on their website, and you can see how you can participate anywhere across the country. They have, actually hold over 200 tournaments a year at different levels, from the Bass Pro Series, Tackle Warehouse, Toyota, BFLs, high school and collegiate tournaments. Um, I would recommend uh, people trying it, and I think Stephen would too, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah, yep. it's a good good experience. Uh, Stephen, I got to take a quick break for some commercials and then we'll come right back. I want to hear about uh, day two and your future plans. Awesome. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing, built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Daiwa, MAG4Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MAG4Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MAG4Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, like St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors, and Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. Stephen Haskin, how uh, 
did day two start? You had a phenomenal day one. You're in the lead. Were you a little bit nervous? Extremely nervous. <laughs> when you have a 14-ounce lead and you know that there's a lot of great towing behind you, it, yeah. I didn't sleep much that night. When when you got the notice, they sent us notices on who we got paired with for the second day. Probably the first thing you do is you look who you have for day two and you look where he's at. Did he do any good the day before? Exactly. And, and you also look at past tournaments to see, you know, on the same body of water to see, you know, if they're very knowledgeable about the water. Yeah. A absolutely. So. Uh, let's talk a little bit about day two that we both know the weather had changed. It got windier. The water got dirtier. Um, the bite was much tougher for many, many anglers. Um, uh, was it tough to start the next morning for you? It was an extremely tough start. Um, I think I went a couple of hours without a bite. Uh, we were fishing mainly docks. Um, when you fish a dock behind a pro, it's it's tough to get a bite behind these guys. Yep. And uh, the water got muddy. He wasn't uh, happy with what he was seeing. So we started to scramble. And I figured out a little deal. I think that just made it so I could catch some fish. Did and uh, he actually started doing it at one point, too. <laughs> Did you catch a full limit the second day? I caught a limit the second day, correct. Okay. How about the quality? Were they as good? No, not nowhere near as good. Uh, I ended up with five fish for roughly eight and a half pounds, so about half the size they were the day before. But um, my goal was to get five. I, I didn't care what size they were. I was hoping they'd be bigger, but I wanted five fish knowing that if you catch a limit, there's a good chance you know, it's, it's going to help you tremendously. Yeah, and uh, you, you're trying to make the top 25 the next day, and uh, sitting in first, you had a pretty good chance of doing that, like you said, if you caught a limit. Did you um, have to use a different technique day two than you did day one? Absolutely. Um, I threw, did throw a Senko. I caught two of my fish on a Senko. Um, but like I said, it's hard fishing behind these guys. But what, what I noticed is that as we were going from dock to dock, there'd be a stretch of... Uh, like a weed line along the shoreline uh, between the docks. And it, we didn't notice other people fishing the weed lines between the docks too. But I did notice that uh, near the shoreline, there was some sand and some light co colored bottom. And then maybe four feet from shore, the weed line would start. Yeah. So I, I picked up a frog and out of desperation, I guess, just chucked it as far as I could and, and it landed on the shore. And I dragged it into the water, and a couple of pops later, I had a keeper. And then about two minutes later in the same spot, I had another keeper. So I put that frog in my hand pretty much for the rest of the day. And as he was going between the docks, I was literally casting onto the shoreline, dragging the frog into the water. And before it would get to the inside weed line, I'd get a bite. Hmm. Yep. And I, I had probably... 20 blow-ups on the frog doing that and uh missed a lot of them but uh at least i got three more fish to make a limit doing that yeah yeah because that's what you needed and, and uh finished out the limit and that was good and uh so you've been doing this a couple years um are you self-funded or do you have any sponsors i'm self-funded and it's uh it's uh fun to do and uh like you said uh 
I think uh, we were talking a little bit before in New Hampshire, you don't have uh, any tidal stuff. So this is an opportunity to learn on tidal waters. And um, I, I think uh, a lot of people are intimidated by it, but is it that tough to fish? Did you think, or did you think that pro had you in the right spot at the right time? Last year, the first year at the Potomac, uh, I found it intimidating and tough um, because I'd never been on tidal water for bass before. Um, and that helped tremendously. I wasn't nervous going into this one at all because I'd seen what the, the river's like and uh, some things that I would probably have to be doing uh, this year. And uh, I felt good going into it. Yeah, well, that, and that's good. It gave you some confidence and and uh and obviously winning first in that was was phenomenal uh what are the plans for next year are you going to do uh the northerns again or are you going to try some other states what what are you thinking you're going to do no i'm gonna absolutely do the northerns again um i think every year i can gain a little more experience on these waters and hopefully that'll help me do better absolutely you uh you want a boat are you ever going to consider fishing on the pro side Probably not. It's um, simply because I don't have the time. Uh, and at 62 years old, it's it's hard to to put in the time ahead of tournament to pre-fish. Uh, it's exhausting, actually, uh, <laughs> if you're going to be serious about it. So I and I'm having such a, a great time on the co side with these guys that I think I'm going to continue doing that. Yep, yep. So next year, uh, uh, Northern Division again, I believe, uh, uh, starts off at the Potomac. You'll have a, a fresh win in your mind, and then it goes, uh, I believe, to uh, Lake Champlain, and then end, uh, ends up in August on Thousand Islands. Um, do any of those places, uh, the Potomac's obviously got to be, be uh, it's like, wow, in nine months I get to go back there, but do any of the other places, uh, are they exciting to you to fish also? Well, Lake Champlain, particularly, because that's my, uh, I can't say my home lake, but it's I've been on it many times in the past, mm -hmm. and I feel comfortable there. Um, unless you get behind a guy who's live scoping, then it's a little tough. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that one. And then also the St. Lawrence, simply because of the quality of fish there. Yeah, and I think on the St. Lawrence, on the rivers, because of the current, because you're slipping that current most of the time, the co-angler, that probably has just as good a chance of catching the fish as the pro. There is, I don't think there's an advantage there. What do you think? I, I uh, agree 100%. I think uh, as long as, uh, you know, you're not uh, uh, live scoping, uh, I think if you're drifting, which is uh, huge there, I think the co-angler has a great chance to fish and uh, compete. Yeah, and especially for the amount of uh, big uh, smallmouth that are there, so many fish between three and five and bigger. Um, but um, it, it is an exciting place to fish. But all these places are exciting. So um, do you have any friends that uh, are thinking after they see your success here uh, on the Potomac, do you have any buddies that say, hey, maybe I ought to try this? I have a couple that are, are thinking about it, absolutely. Yeah, and it seems like there is normally, you know, you show up to a tournament, sometimes you will get, people will get an email, say, hey, we're looking for more boaters or we're looking for more co-anglers. But I think generally um, they seem to get it all worked out and accommodate pretty much uh, everyone. Do you pair up with somebody so you're linked or do you just throw your name in the hat to make sure? Uh, no, absolutely I link up. If I'm going to put the time in, I want to be guaranteed a spot. Uh, 
uh, if I'm going to go at it. So, yep. um, I, fortunately, I've been able to link up with the same pro both uh, last year and this year, and I'm going to contact him, and hopefully he'll want to link up again because I know he's reliable, and I hope he knows I'm reliable that, you know, if we link, we're going to be at those tournaments. Yeah, yeah, and you're both gonna gonna want to fish, and you're both gonna want to try to win. And uh, so, so your appetite for winning the last one of the year has got to be pretty great. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you you got to be pinching yourself that uh, it actually happened, and uh, no disadvantage to not fish day three because uh, you. Were you a little nervous about that when they said the weather was coming in and they had the meeting, pre-tournament meeting for the top 25? Were you a little nervous there that you might have to fish day three and and you could fall out of first? The only reason I was nervous was because I was uh, uh, sick and fighting a cold. And I knew that if we went out on day three, that I wasn't going to be able to focus on what I was doing because I was so sick. Um, so I guess it's a blessing that uh, day three was canceled and uh, starting to feel a little bit better now. And um, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't have been any fun because we all know when we drove drove home from there, the weather was terrible, the winds were gusty. Uh-huh. Um, it was it was uh, not a fun drive home. There was a lot of accidents I know of when I was driving home, and you had to pay attention. But uh, great job, and uh, Stephen Hoskin. I think uh, maybe we'll be talking to you again. I think you got a taste of this, and I think you've got the uh, the winning attitude, and you're uh, you know look forward to uh, following and seeing how you do in the future. And uh, we definitely appreciate you taking time to talk to us here at the We Fish ASA podcast. I appreciate you having me, and uh, hopefully we will get paired together at one of these, and uh, yeah, that, that would be great. That would be fun, maybe in the Potomac on the Potomac next June. Uh, Stephen Hoskins, winner of the Major League Fishing Co-Angler side, the We Fish ASA podcast comes to you every week. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. Thank you, Dan Johnson, for talking about line management. Joel Pogger filling us in on the 2024 Major League Fishing Toyota and Bass Pro uh, Series tournaments that are coming up. Tackle Warehouse, go to the uh, MajorLeagueFishing.com, check out all the opportunities to fish. And Stephen Hoskins, co-angler, winner of a boat, Major League Fishing, Potomac River. Great job. Look forward to talking to you in the future. I think you're going to continue to do well. I'm also looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast next week. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.